Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning into another episode of the Misfit Podcast, Full Goon Squad, back in the house. Yo. There's something in the air right now. Something that's in the different. air. That's different. That's that's not what <laughs> I'm sherp's, referencing, sherp's guys. Flaxseed. Get it together. Uh, last chance qualifier begins today. So we got Austin and Kelly attacking one of the workouts. Luca will wait until tomorrow to tackle the workout because it'll be 9 p.m. in Serbia when he gets his password. Caroline's out there doing 612 pieces for games prep. Just Fuck. went and uh, went and bought a 150 gallon tub for tub time with trumpet. So, um, tub time, tub time with bumper. We're writing the athlete IQ baseline testing and phase one and getting into some phase two stuff right now. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff going on right here. And I don't know, there's just different times of the year where, at HQ when we're really planning stuff out and getting ready for you guys to all see, you know, what's going to be exciting for you in terms of fall and getting into winter. It's uh it's a good time around here for sure. I think it's pretty fun because we've spent the last, I don't know, six or so months really trying to get ahead on programming and making sure that we're thinking ahead of the next, like not only one step ahead, but two or three steps ahead. So seeing all that work come to fruition, seeing athletes kind of go full in on comp block three, but also it's nice out inside, you know, in Maine. So we're bringing things outside, bringing some fitness in, you know, us three are mixing in with Caroline when we can help, you know, here and there kind of sparingly as a team of three, as if we're like one, like Megazord, if you're a Power Ranger fan, like coming together to try to give her some sort of push and pieces here and here and there. But, um, I don't know, how do you want to describe how your eight minute AMRAP went the other day? Or was it, was it an eight minute AMRAP that you did with the rope climbs and GHDs? Which one? Oh fuck. No, it was that, <laughs> it was that terrible. It was like GHDs with a med ball, uh, rope climb muscle up, mm -hmm. muscle endurance, Metcon reset. Now your hips. Yeah, they were. My <laughs> hips were fine because I didn't go very fast. So. <laughs> Fuck, I did a couple med ball GHDs and I was like, this is going to snap me in half. So I did no med ball. Same number, same number of reps on the rope climb and the, well, she had the, it was eight muscle ups for me, six for her. And she just, it was still like, God fucking damn it. I'm losing, lost by a minute. An eight, minute eight, minute, eight minutes. Yeah. Eight minute I mean, of working time workout again. When you her. do out the math <laughs> on her muscle endurance workouts, she's typically between first and 10th, like in the world yep. in those workouts each time they come up. So, um, does that make me like, but, yeah. like 11th or 12th? Uh, yeah, I think so. 12th. I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the comparison. If you were competing in the female division. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and from my point of view, there's like my absolute favorite time of year is coming back around and starting over. So we know exactly what we did last year for athletes. We know where the trends were and it's like, how can we do what we, what we need to do to be able to move the needle? Um, and that challenge to me is obviously taken seriously, but it's like a very fun for me. I love the big picture stuff, like figuring out how do we make a progression throughout an entire season? How do we, you know, check off some more boxes that we didn't have before? You know, these, it's basically a bunch of sliders and we're going around and adjusting just a little bit that equalizer to get it to a point where we know we can continue to move the needle because even if a program is amazing if it starts to get redundant over and over, we just don't get that like overreaching effect. We don't go to these new places. So um, I can't wait for you guys to see the athlete IQ baseline. There's two weeks before phase one starts right around games time. And then phase one kicks off and it's going to be a great year. It was also the, you know, anyone who doesn't continue to evolve as they put something out eventually gets becomes obsolete. So the idea 
behind this is we've watched trends. We see how people move throughout the season. We saw how things went last year. We got feedback from athletes. And the same way we ask all of you to reflect on pieces, we are doing the same exact thing behind closed doors with our computer screens and asking, you know, what is the new set of 11 thrusters at this weight? What is the new amount of muscle ups in a seven minute AMRAP? Like we are constantly evolving because you continue to push the envelope. So we see you out there. We want you to continue to post so we can continue to get data on you and get that feedback so that we know as things come back around the following year, we're ready for it because you're giving us that feedback. That reflection happens both for you guys in your training and us as we write it and then reevaluate and rewrite it. Truth. All right. So we have a Q&A podcast today. We like to do these within the first few weeks of a new comp blocker phase. Um, and they don't necessarily have to be about that, but it's sort of the time when new questions and thoughts pop into athletes' heads and they start to say, okay, maybe this is just directly related to me as an athlete or um, you know, observing these athletes do this. But it usually kicks up a bit more uh, curiosity within the athlete community at the beginning of sort of starting something over. Um, and the first questions that we are going to answer, which is always going to be the case in these, are from our Discord. Head to discord.gg forward slash Misfit Athletics. Join the community. We have you know sort of a community chat. We have a place for questions. We have a place for people posting their scores for every single, you know, MFT, Hatchet, Masters, all that good stuff. So um, make sure you get signed up and let's get going on the questions. Um, I'll read the first one. We're going clockwise. I'll answer it. All right. This is from Ryan Bretag. Um, Shout out to Ryan. Always asks thoughtful questions and then Mm -hmm. does a good job in the Discord. Those are the types of things that we notice when we're in the Discord the type of people that go in and help and you can tell that they're thoughtful and like not just immediately trying to answer the question, but there's, you know, again, taking that time to sort of think through things maybe similar to the way that we would. So we have number one, how would you like to see the age group season evolve next year? I really like the format this year. The thing I would like to see different is I think the field could be 20 athletes at the CrossFit games. I think 10 athletes You know, I understand what they're trying to do for a lot of that's the logistics of trying to run the event with how many divisions they have. I would potentially like to see more athletes get involved in invited to the semifinal like level to at least participate online. Cause like, what's the, what's the big bag and CrossFit issue. They get more money that comes into the sport because more athletes sign up. They get a bigger uh, amount of people to compete against in that field. I don't know if I have an issue with like the only 10 going to the, uh, sorry, I look confused. The semifinal, I'd like to see them invite more than just 30 so that when they go to the games, it's at least 20 athletes at the CrossFit games. I think a bigger pool allows for chances for athletes to create separation. And, you know, looking at the leaderboards, they're pretty tight, at the very top and the top couple of places. And then there's a lot more variance there. So, you know, the argument could be made that they are getting the right people to the CrossFit games. So people are going to win anyways. But I think the community is so large. And if we look at the participation of the entire community masters makes up over half of it. So I feel like there should be more representation of those athletes at this stage. But in terms of the season, like I think the, the flow they had is really nice. And eventually we'll see in-person competitions for the age groups. I just don't know how soon it will be. And I think as the sport continues to evolve and they get more excitement and there's more on the line. So potentially more space to the CrossFit games, that's going to arise the amount of people who want to sign up for it, which then creates the opportunity for in-person comp- uh, competition. I think it depends on how forward thinking you want to be. Mm. Um, when you have too many athletes there um that and it's really top heavy you fuck up the scoring a lot because you keep getting the same athletes basically trading places at the top of the leaderboard so that's one plus of having 10 athletes there you could tell from the leaderboards that you know maybe a lot of the divisions could have used 15 
Um, I don't think they're going to adjust that year to year. But what we know is after seeing the progression of these teen athletes and and how quickly, especially on the on the women's side, are able to go and, and do what they're doing, um, the sport is progressing at an, like, an alarming rate. And eventually it should be 20 in each mm. division. Um, so I don't know if that's the type of thing where they could use the, you know, sort of the law of averages in a way like they do with how many spots they give different regions and whatnot. To, to different, you know, regions, areas, that sort of thing. But um, I don't think there's anything wrong with 10 to 15 right now, but I don't think that's going to continue to be the case. I, I don't think I think until the sport is a little bit older, because we still we're still in a place right now where like when the sport when when CrossFit became a more pro- like kind of pronounced sport the like the fittest people were you know there weren't a lot of like 40 year olds competing 10 years late you know fast forward the clock 10 years or even like even like yeah i guess 40 year olds let's say fast forward the clock 10 years those super fit athletes are still are i have been slowly kind of pushed out by younger fitter masters Mm. and they are still like you know we're still we're still another couple decades away from the the 40, the super fit 40 and 50 year olds now extending kind of the, the difficulty of like the 60 plus basically like the sport needs to age further for the level of the master's athlete to kind of like, to kind of push, I think. So until I think time is kind of the the factor there. You want to read the second one, Sherb? Yeah. I figured that's why we're going to do this. So um, again, still from Ryan. What metrics might an athlete consider when determining whether to move to remote coaching and or personalized programming versus staying with the mass programming and masses in air quotes, just meaning like following along with the blog day in and day out? Um, I mean, there's there's multiple considerations here. Things like things like money, things like time available, things like, you know, how how well you're doing with the current quote mass programming um i would say that when you get to a point where it's just like you i you know the step before that remote coaching is the complete tier where you can see the entire week of programming and and build that and kind of like build that out almost on your own if it's to the point where it's just like i'm either i'm just i just don't have either the time or the the mental bandwidth to be doing this on my own. I need somebody to kind of dictate what I'm doing. And that's what the case with a lot of remote athletes. It's just like, I want to be told what to do, but in such a way that's like personalized for me. And I think that, I mean, that's a perfectly fine reason to be, to, to apply for remote coaching. So, um, I think, I think once you've, if you've experimented with that on your own and you're just like, okay, I get the idea. Um, but I like, I need somebody who's going to direct me much more specifically then you kind of make that jump and i'll I think stop the, there if you guys want the to training age stuff. is what you're sort of getting at too like how long you've been following along with and how much experience have you had and do you feel like you've made not directly but yeah that, but maybe i mean that's exhausted. another one too maybe you've exhausted kind of what you think is your own the beginner those beginner like, gains yeah you've, yeah you've exhausted your own individual ability to get as far as you think you can can by yourself and for a lot of athletes when they go into it they think it's because they want a specialized program but it ends up being more of a sports psychology reflection based thing where you have someone else who knows about you hopefully as well as you know yourself and you can kind of go back and forth and maybe see things from a lens that you don't see it from. Like how I would want to approach the beginning of a workout might be very different from what like a coach might say for me to approach the beginning of a workout. And if I don't have that person there, I might keep making the same mistakes and be stuck in the same place, kind of spinning my wheels in the mud as opposed to starting to inch my way out of that hole. The other thing is if you have feel like maybe you haven't been making the progress that you wanted and 
we've talked about that before and I've yelled at people about that before. Like if you're going to say I haven't made the progress, you better have an objective metric to say that you have not been making progress. Um, but I mean, I would say that's another one or it's just like, this is my goal. I can get there. I could probably maybe get there on my own in a couple in a while, but I think I'll, it'll be, it's way more efficient for me just to delegate that to a coach. to help Yeah. Me meet I those think my, goals. my answer for this is pretty blunt. Um, just because you are better at understanding and preparing for and working around your biases doesn't mean you're good at it on your own. You're not going to be, it's not going to happen. Um, every single semifinals athlete that has a misfit athletics remote coach finished in the top 10. We sent six people to the age group online qualifier. One of which felt like really like, Oh my God, this was a long shot to get into the semifinal and congrats to her. The other five are going to the CrossFit games. So we do not fuck around when it comes to remote coaching. Um, And we could get into how it's less about the programming than people think and much more about having that person in your corner and being motivated. But with some athletes for, man, one, two, three years, it is very much about the programming because we're filling in these gaps and doing these things. But the magic of that stretches so far from like, yeah, you're going to get a really good benefit from us moving things around for you for X period of time. But then we get really down into the nitty gritty where, you know, we're talking about your feelings and shit. So, um, yeah, don't get a remote coach if you don't want to talk about your feelings. Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> that's we've really had, we've had the highest of the high level athletes not want to talk about their feelings. And all right, go somewhere else. It's cool. big feeling guy. Huge. Yeah. Huge feeling. Hunter, you're fired. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, third question from Ryan. How does Misfit see the sport of CrossFit evolving in terms of being truly competitive as an elite and as an age group athlete, I'm assuming? Uh, we are... It's getting easier. Yeah. It's... it's uh, <laughs> I think what's fun about it, what is still very fun about it and is going to stay that way for man... I don't know if 10 years is right, but at least five is that you can have your side gig. You can do your other things and you can go to semifinals. But once you go to semifinals and you feel that and you find out whether I am a gamer, this is my thing. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. That's when we get to the point where you really have to ask yourself, like, can I figure out how to either do this full time or like have these, you know, sort of tiny little side projects where I'm working through this. Um, asterisk to that, Austin Spencer, super stacked region, sixth place by not too many points, has no free time. <laughs> like absolutely yeah. positively no free time. Also, you know, has been, you know, digging at this for a decade. So um, that's, I think, how I would answer on the elite side for for what somebody needs to do. On the age group side, I think athlete IQ becomes so incredibly important when you are no longer relying on, you know, kind of that steady stream of testosterone pumping through you. And, you know, it's the same set of rules in terms of are you warming up the way that you need to? Are you doing the recovery? All of this stuff. But the amount of time that it takes you to check off those same boxes as an elite athlete could be 2x. It could take you twice as long to get the same type of warm up 
as a 25 year old, as a 45 year old. Um, so as we go through these things, I really do think most of the rules are the same. Yeah. Got to get strong. We got to get skilled. We got to be good at warming up, cooling down. We have to, you know, have that high athlete IQ, all of these things. But as a master's athlete, you know, how long does it really take you to dig into that stuff? Um, and that's why typically you will see lower volume still work pretty well. Um, because you're still, you're still in it for the, you're, you're still putting in your 10,000 hours in the same way these other athletes are. It's just different eggs and or a different amount of eggs in different baskets. Yeah. I see the elite, uh, level of the sport for both age group and for the individuals becoming more and more like professional sport. And the fact that like, if you ask like a professional baseball player or a basketball player or a football player, what they're doing outside of their own physical training and rehabilitation is like, they're watching themselves or their opponents move and learning all they can from any bit of data. Data they can scrounge up, whether that's, is there a way to put my foot a little bit differently when I'm pivoting to make a layup to make the layup easier? Or is there a better position to be in in defense so I can get there? And again, we don't necessarily defend against an, an opponent when we're competing in CrossFit, but it's like, is there something about the way this athlete moves that allows them to always be a little bit ahead in this kind of workout? Or is there something about this athlete that they're, you know, they've decided they're going to review how they front rack the barbell and their cameras like up close on their front rack and they're making minute details like a really big deal for them because that's what I think takes you know, a professional sport to the next level is how can I get so nitty gritty in the details that I'm eking out those half percents that other people aren't thinking about. You could be literally explaining how Misfit Athletics started right yeah. now. I mean, that I like, is. <laughs> I was able to pretend I was a competitor for years because I was like, you're not moving so well and you're not moving so well. And look at that guy. I guess I'm doing it. He's pointing at me right now. That's <laughs> fucking pointing at me. Pointing at a hunter surfing yeah. back there. But like, like <laughs> that got me obsessed with it. And then it's like, well, um, I'm not gonna, you know, I can, literally can't run a mile at 150 heart rate. So I bet I can teach people how to do this really fucking well. <laughs> All right. Um, from AWJ. Me, bro. Is it me? You? Yeah, I asked that. Oh, shit. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Go, Drew. AWJ 22 as masters athletes advance in age. Is there anything you think they should prioritize more in their training pieces or outside the gym? I think I gave you a ramp, a little bit of a ramp to that with, with what I just said, but yeah, the devils are in the details. I mean, the, the higher level you compete, the more that you're required to do and the more, uh, I guess volume stretched out over a long period of time is required to kind of get there, which means you need to be thinking about all those recovery protocols, you know, two and three times X more than maybe the younger people who have the, you know, testosterone flowing, they're getting the nine or 10 hours. So they don't have responsibilities every single night and you have, you know, a whole life to combat, combat with. So to, to thought process here is you have to be so obsessed with how you take care of yourself outside your training so you can continue to train because that is typically what derails athletes more often than anything else is they, let's say they have a hundred eggs and they put 80 of them in the basket of training and 20 in their basket of recovery. And then soon they have 85 in the training and 15 in the recovery. And next thing you know, their literally only time available to them is for training. And they don't do anything outside the gym to make sure they can do that. And that will only let you participate for so long before something comes awry. So focusing on at least one-to-one, -one. you know, I think the warm up and cooling down is a great place to start, like doing the outside of the workout, outside of the workout things to make sure you're both prepared and you cool down from that so you can do something else. But it's the, the things outside of the two to four hours in the gym that I think will need to be taken up to a higher level as athletes continue to develop and the sport continues to progress over years. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the maintenance protocols that you're putting yourself through, whether that's, whether that means, you know, more of the warm up and cool down and soft tissue work and kind of the 
more traditional recovery type stuff that we might think, or it's, you know, swapping out strength pieces for like accessory stuff that are more, maybe more maintenance based. Um, the other thing too, is that I think like, again, kind of looking at the, the broad timeline of CrossFit as a whole, it's like when CrossFit started the, uh, quote, elite individual athletes, a lot of them didn't move super well. We have now kind of evolved to a place where most of cross most CrossFit Games competitors move pretty well. Um, the you have older, to be so much fitter to do okay when you don't move. Yeah, them. exactly. And, so, <laughs> and you still and, see and a little bit of apply, it. And I mean, just apply that to the Masters, you know, age group folks. And I understand, like, especially Masters who maybe maybe they had an athletic background, weren't trained, weren't, you know, in a competitive kind of mode for a while and then picked CrossFit back up and are kind of working with what they've got, whether with respect to like mobility limitations and restrictions and stuff like that. But like, so if again, kind of applying that, you know, the early individual competitor is kind of what we're seeing now with like the master's group where there, there are a lot of good movers, but there are also a lot of bad ones. And eventually I think that's going to get weeded out as, as the age of the masters kind of uh, of the, of the masters division gets older, we're going to see more masters who move like the individuals do now, like moving really well. So trying to get a leg up on that sort of thing, I think gives you a, is a, is a, could be a huge advantage. No more uh, obvious is that than the teenagers who compete in the individual division. Now, like they grew up in CrossFit kids. They went to a gym, they made them um, hopefully the good ones are going to coaches and going to places. They're obsessed about movement quality and how you move and progress those athletes over time. And now you see, you know, athletes that tip should realistically be behind the curve because they're only 17, 16, 17, 18 years old competing with full grown women because they have taken the time and have come up through the ranks with, all right, move well, move well, move well, do the right things, do the right things. And now look what they can do in the, in the field of individual women. Just to, so the answer's a little bit more fun, um, quote unquote, I'll give some <laughs> specifics. Fun. So fun guy too. <laughs> within the, within your training pieces, please, for the love of God, read the stimulus. If it says cardio, we want you to do the opposite of what Sherb would do. Just kidding. You're getting that with this. Um, we want you to basically go in and just repeat round times. Just you're clocking rounds over and over and over fast transitions. The only thing in there that is, you know, has a variable to it is something that, you know, like a rower, like, you know, burpee, something like that, where you're modulating the pace. Um, when you're doing your bitch work, understand that we go all the way from your maffetone work down to, you know, aerobic work where you're doing 10 minute sections to five minutes and four minutes and three minutes and your send stuff. And we are trying to slot you in at every single one of those. And we want you to stay in those places. I think that's one of the things that happens to athletes. Their times are all over the place or they do that final kick. And then it fucks up a training piece later where they can't kick in a workout the next day when we ask you to go and do that. Um, so read the stimulus, try to get you know out of it what, what we're asking, because that's where you're going to be able to find balance in your training. Um, outside of the gym, the big three, sleep, stress, and fuel. If you're not taking your sleep seriously... Like what don't, year is it? Don't train. Two thousand three. Like, <laughs> get on the train. You know what I'm saying? Um, with the fuel, you know, you're just really making sure that you've played with your macros to the point where you know what is going to help you and what isn't going to help you. Um, that's the kind of thing that could take a little bit too long to to get into, but we have we do have some some other resources long. related to that. And then when it comes to stress, it's about 
sort of increasing your threshold for where your stress response exists. That happens in training. That happens in a sauna. That happens in a cold tub. That happens when you meditate. That happens when you try to live your life the way you hope you would in the gym outside of the gym. So you know that like you're anxious and you're thinking about the next thing or whatever when it comes to in the gym and you know that you can't do that and you got to stay in the moment and you just, you know, it's the next pull on the rower. Same concept in your personal life. Like you go to bed and you're just staying at the ceiling like, okay, 2159 handstand push a wall ball, six rounds, two minutes on, two minutes off. We got nine rounds of handstand walk ramp. I got to go upstairs. For if that is happening to you, <laughs> that level of anxiety, I mean, you're basically fight or flight all the time. And that stress response is going to appear the second you start working out. That's why you see other athletes who look like they're asleep when they're working out. And it's like, yeah, well, they're just chill. Just relax. Another plug for in the coaching moment right there as well. The opportunity to talk to somebody about that helps you work through something like that, which is again, another reason why someone would check out remote coaching. True. All right. Moving on to Tyler Changaris strength before conditioning question mark or vice versa. If you can only do an AM PM session, would it be different trying to prioritize my strength? It doesn't at the say moment? only. I added a word. Okay. If you can do an AM PM session. Would it be better? <laughs> would it be different trying to prioritize my strength at the moment? So essentially how do I decide which one do I do first? And I have the option of potentially doing AM and PM sessions. Um, there's a couple nuances in general. I would direct somebody to prioritize their weaknesses. And that doesn't always mean doing your weakness first. Uh, we see a lot of athletes who do really well when they lift after a conditioning piece. Um, uh, like asterisks, if that's because you did suck at warming up, then warm up better and mm. see if that's still the case. But there are instances where athletes will perform better in their lifting sessions by doing that second in either the same session or AM PM. You kind of have to learn, learn that for yourself. Athletes like doing their conditioning in the morning, lifting in the evening. You've got a little bit, your testosterone's a little bit higher in the morning, melatonin higher in the evening. So there's like the, it's, it's kind of a give and take. You have to experiment with it a little bit. Um, we've talked about the kind of spreading out the mafetone stuff. We were actually talking, Sherb and I were talking to an affiliate athlete earlier about this where, um, and you could probably chime in to the there. I think there's a difference when we're doing that mafetone stuff. If you're going to do that, um, either do your lifting after mafetone. If it's in the same session, um, better yet, do your lift and then spread out. Don't don't do that mafetone session for at least like three hours. So basically trying to spread out strength and conditioning by a couple hours. Um, that being said. I would say CrossFit conditioning might be a little bit different. It depends on what the workout is as far as whether you do that first or second, which is where I'll kind of like chime in. If you're doing like a 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups, whatever that yeah. sort of thing is that I, I f see that as being much different than a 45 minute aerobic mafetone session. With, yes. With respect so to the big thing here is whether you care about putting on muscle mass or not. That's mm. the, that's yeah, the thing here that makes the, you know, makes the most difference when you're talking about doing your strength versus doing your, how close together are you doing those things? The easiest way to explain it is a CrossFitter goes in and they do everything all, all the time. You could squat three days in a row. You're, you're going to like, we're not doing shoulders today. We're doing, we're doing shoulders every <laughs> single day. If you are a competitor, um, and that makes it really challenging for the like sort of just annihilate the tissue, 
go really hard with the, you know, high protein, a lot of recovery, muscle protein synthesis. That's what you're chasing to get bigger. That's why a bodybuilder will go in and get as many reps as they possibly can. And then depending on what supplements, quote unquote, they use, they're going to need anywhere from three to five to seven days to then get that growth. What's really cool about the human body is you can get stronger without getting bigger. So you can go in and make that neurological, you know, sort of central nervous system change within your body and you can get stronger. So some people listening to this might be like, like, oh, I'm a little bit too bulky. Like I can, it's hard for me to get into certain positions Mm -hmm. and then jam those babies together. Also post-workout nutrition changes. Um, If we are looking to stop that cortisol and stop that muscle breakdown, we want the protein and carbs like basically after your cool down. You do your cool down for 15 minutes. You get back to a place where you can digest. You want to slam that and stop that stuff from happening as quickly as possible. That's why athletes try to do that at like a competition. Like, I don't care if I'm getting jacked next week. I'm trying to turn this, you know, all this, you know, noise off within my body. And that's one of the ways that you can get cortisol to go down. Um, Vice versa. If you're the type of athlete, again, that's trying to put on mass, we want to wait. You want to put yourself through more stress, more tissue breakdown, so then you can grow back larger. I would say most athletes don't need to worry about that. There are a few that that do, that need to put on a little bit of weight, need to put on a little bit of muscle mass, but that's when you would need to worry about that sort of thing. If you're not worried about that, just make sure that you are giving enough space for the pieces to go the way that they're planned on going. All right, Misfits, just a quick break to shout out our show sponsors and hopefully save you a little bit of dough. Misfit Summer Camp is back, finally. Big middle finger to 2020 and 2021, but 2022 is going to be our year. Um, the, The 2019 camp is by far my favorite camp that we've ever done. Really fun to be able to have a camp that is so much about the community, the Misfit Athletics community. We're going to have lectures that explain how you can use community to get to the CrossFit Games. We're going to have fun. We're going to go outside. You're going to have custom T-shirts and a you know sort of a, a fake chaperone like an actual summer camp. Uh, it's going to be really fun. Correction, Portland, real Maine, chaperone. Real chaperone. <laughs> Portland, Maine, Misfit HQ, August 19th through the 21st. And you can get your tickets now until they sell out at Misfit dot camp Get them now until you can't we're also brought to you by proper fuel you can head to properfuel.co use the code word misfit to save on any product the best pre and post workout in the game i finally did it drew you've been asking me for weeks and weeks take pre stim oh. prior to a maffetone session i finally did it i've been doing it for metcons i've been doing it for lifting i see the benefit there i love it and i was just like you know i'm just going for a long easy run why do i need pre-workout till i did it Knocked about 30 seconds off my mile split without a change in my heart rate and maybe a dew point adjustment had something to do with it. But the pre-workout had me feeling really good and a big part of having confidence to run at a faster pace is feeling good when you start. So the vasodilation created by the product, the extra electrolytes in there to make sure you don't get dehydrated in the middle of the run are huge for making sure that you can perform your best when it matters. So again, you can head to properfuel.co, use the code word MISFIT to save on any product, but I'd check out that pre stim specifically. People do think I'm joking when I post that I'm going for a long, slow run and I take that product and it's not a joke at all. What caffeine does in that form for endurance is, is pretty incredible. So I highly recommend. And lastly, we are brought to you by sharpen the ax. You can head to sharpen the ax co right now, get your CrossFit games, pre-sale t-shirt order in 
It's a pretty sweet t-shirt. Yes, it is. We got tie-dye. We got a pretty fucking cool logo on the front. And, of course, your favorite games athletes' names on the back. And when you're in that checkout, make sure you're using your favorite games athletes' code to make sure that we get a little money to them to help offset the cost to getting to Madison. All right, back to the show. You're up, Hunter. I'm up. <laughs> Seamus MK asked, did I, I miss the final this. did I miss the final grip test? Did you guys just admit Hunter is the forever champion? I don't know who that is. Uh, I don't know if you missed the last one, but I mean, I'll admit that I, I'm the forever champion. I've been training. <laughs> give me give me the rest of comp block three, I'll be ready. Drew, you're up. You gotta answer the question. <laughs> I let's get this down. It is twelve fifty and twenty-eight seconds on June 29th in 2022. I will beat you in the grip test. I will not tell you when I'm practicing and I will not compete against you until I know I'm ready. <laughs> I will going to that gym. beat you in the grip test. Now here's the issue. I have to remember. Uh, yeah, here we go. You I have to remember. Just, just be a period. Could I it? might forget that I ever said this the you second will. I walk out you that will. door. I know you I'm a threshold did. guy. I, already already forgot. Did. I need to walk back into this walk room to remember, into room. walk into the room. Uh, goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I said this. I can add, 10 20 percent to a lift if ego is involved <laughs> if there's again confirmed <laughs> it's happened too many times again confirmed. all right here i'll give you another question but yes we admitted that hunter's the forever champion uh all right you don't get another one after this xander asks when's the high rocks trap track drop trap high rocks <laughs> track dropping xander let me know when the next like big race is we can have like a little bit of a like, hey, misfits, let's go to this city and do high rocks. And we'll have a weakness template that'll be free to download for everybody. Ooh. I've got a template, like not the workouts themselves, but the template and like how many weeks of this and how many days of that planned out. Um, honestly, it's a really fun thing to program for. It's you turn somebody into a machine with that programming. They wouldn't be great with a barbell, but we don't care. So, Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to put like pen to paper and and finish writing the workout specifically. But I do want a proposed launch where we go and I get on a team with 19 people and only have to run once and push the sled or something. Um, <laughs> Tell me he's gonna run the row of the 1K for me. You're gonna do the 100 wall balls. There's no rowing, end. is there? I think there is. No, rowing and skiing, isn't there? I think it might just be skiing. I don't know. As a rower, Xander, correct us. All right, this is your last question, Drew. We're going to skip you. Him? We're going to skip. We're going to skip him on the next round. But this is a question for him. Mike Kern asks: Any hesitation with Luca hitting the French throwdown prior to last chance <laughs> qualifier, or good to ramp it up as a test? Uh, I would like to shout out all the people who have DM'd me on Instagram about this <laughs> topic. <could> you? <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to take it in a different direction. When you have a good relationship, remote coaching to athlete relationship, you dig into issues, you have input from both sides, it's you know, sort of an open dialogue. And once you decide something is going to happen, you are 100% in the corner of the athlete. Um, I won't make any bones about the fact that it was a bit more of a like financial decision, Um but the one thing that I will say is there were some things that happened at Lowlands that we were trying to correct from a mental standpoint. And I'm not sure if anybody saw Luca on day three of the French throwdown, but scorched earth, 
not worrying about people around him, that sort of thing. Um, and you know, I was in direct communication with him and his brother and just talking about like, that's the guy that came to visit that just went so hard in every single thing that we did and was so focused on every single training piece when the volume was super high. Mm. Um, and I saw him again on day three. So, um, do I want an athlete doing nine workouts of that, you know, sort of importance that close? No, getting the momentum and getting his head back in a place where he knows who he is and what he's capable of right before a little bit of a silver lining there for sure. Yeah. Physically speaking, not the most ideal, but mentally speaking, it could be a the thing that launches him. He's also next- young and devours volume. Can confirm that like one of the four. We're looking at four workouts over two days yeah. compared to, you know, all this other stuff. So um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, killer. Shane Lloyd, burpee condition. Oh, sure. Good question for you, big guy. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Matt dot Sherburn asks <laughs> burpee conditioning has Schmatt always been <laughs> this guy looks like sure, but he has a Groucho Marx uh, glasses and mustache on. That's me. Um, burpee conditioning has always been an issue can hurt in any other movement. Just not them. I wonder why. What is it? Is it? Do you think it's your form when you're doing the thing? Is it the He's asking you is the apprehension? Like I, I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper because saying Saying that you can't make yourself hurt in that movement has me feeling that either you haven't, and again, Hunter loves to say this, have you tried trying? Perception is like, reality. But, but I'll, perception I'll put, is reality. Exactly. And I agree with yes. you. And I, I'm sure something. he's hurting. He's just not going as fast as he wants to go. Yeah. So to fix this problem, this is something you actually had me do a lot of early on when I complained about certain movements I didn't like. Like I didn't like rowing. I didn't like burpees. And it started with, hey, start running a 2K every single day or, you know, burpees give you trouble. 75 bar facing burpees every single day was not the most enjoyable warmup, but I, early on this, what this does desensitize me to how terrible I felt and just made it like, all right, you're just doing another thing in the gym. You do a bunch of things in the gym. Why do you add this extra like spice or flair to it when it's just another movement that you do? Um, and I hate to say that, you know, you're not going to like this, but you're not going to like the effort it takes to get there, but you're going to be proud of yourself when you put in the time. And now this movement becomes like just any other movement that's in the gym. So putting the work in is probably be the, the best bet. The bar face and burpees or lateral burpees to start your day, or even just normal get down, get up burpees. And maybe you don't start at 75 because the more appropriate dose for you is 30 or 45 or six, whatever the number is. Do that for a few weeks to get yeah, yourself maybe used take to a it. rest day in between too. Yeah, yeah. seventy five a day, you get a little spicy. Yeah, get, get yourself used to doing burpees, and then just make sure when you you go and do a burpee workout that you have thought about what your version of that number is, because that's another really easy way to not see improvement or a long period of time. Is that the the workout calls for thirty in a set? but 30 takes me three minutes, takes everybody else 90 seconds. Like what is my 90 seconds worth of burpees? So I can continue to push the pace on these so I can learn how to go faster because I'm not so worried about, well, I better pace these first 10 because there's 20 more. It's I'm doing 90 seconds of burpees, no matter how many burpees I get, it's only 90 seconds worth. And you teach yourself to get over those humps. So I would just advise begin sprinkling them in warmups, Weakness warmups are a great way to start and then just begin to look at workouts that we talked about earlier with stimuli in mind and go, all right, how should this go or how should this feel? And if you don't know, Discord is a great place or your you know fellow training buddies that you meet through Discord or through Instagram are a great way to get perspective on how something should feel as you're going through it. I like the weakness warm up. I like 
sounds kind of cheese dick, but the imam style, just getting comfortable with a very manageable dose of those reps at probably, you know, at, at kind of varying intensities. If I, if I had to guess, maybe you're someone who, who has kind of one speed on their burpees. It's just like, this sucks. This is slow. I like, I know when I'm supposed to go faster, but I just, I really struggle to, um, just like any of the bitch work pieces we give you, you have to develop kind of gears and different styles of that movement for different applications. But before you're doing that, I think it's just putting in the putting the work in and, and kind of getting your reps in. Uh, it's it's just one of those movements that's more of a desensitization thing than it is a, a probably a fitness thing, If you know, for, for most people listening to this. Yeah, I mean, you guys just addressed the make sure that's sort of the old school, like it's not a weakness until you've worked on it enough to know right. that it is. Um, so So a huge part of this is usually that. Go in, do the work, see what happens definitely put them on their own. Um, because if you're pushing well in other movements and every time you find yourself getting ready to do a burpee, maybe you're not so great at pacing to prioritize the burpee, that sort of thing. But the whole other side of this equation is why does this happen? This happens because, um, bigger, you can move a barbell bigger. You can get, you know, some more momentum, even in gymnastics, um, easier to open your shoulders and, you know, sort of handstand movements. So, um, the idea that gymnastics aren't great for bigger athletes, isn't necessarily the case machines. We get to sit on those damn things. That's when you get maximum leverage and a fucking cushion, just a seat, literally a seat. seat. I like me a seat. (laughs) So when we go to these other movements, like running, like the burpee, there's going to be something there. Now, one of the things to take into consideration when you do put them on their own is being obsessed with the movement. We watched the chipper at Granite Games and they got back, you know, well into the workout. They got back to that line facing burpee and the amount of big athletes that had different footwork every time that they did the rep and then stood all the way up blew my fucking mind. And watching Brent Fikowski float six inches off the damn ground the whole time, his head like he literally could have limbo. He could have done the whole thing had they put a seal, a three foot ceiling above him. And his kneecap. That's the kind of thing where you're just like where there's a will, there's a way you're going to figure it out. There's no way that he's going to be able to burpee with certain athletes, but he's going to get himself as close close as possible. We've made this breakthrough with a number of larger misfit athletes like stay low, think about your footwork, obsess over those sorts of things. So, um, desensitize yourself and, you know, really dig into why this is happening. All right. Uh, Kjell pull that is K J E L D P O L. Yeah. That if your goal is the 2024 CrossFit open, what is the best plan for your training? (laughs) Follow the, follow the program. (laughs) Be, 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 be trained five days a week until the 2024 open. Um, I mean, without, without a little bit more background, I think the, like, if you've got that longer term kind of goal in the back of your head, then like the one thing that you can guarantee that you have to do starting now is just being consistent and, and starting with probably choosing the right program. Um, you know, if, if uh, assuming that you were saying like, my goal is to perform really well in the open, that kind of gives me the idea that you're probably a, a hatchet level athlete. Um, so making sure that you are doing the things now, if you've got a two year, if you've got two years to work on, uh, 
to work on things like movement quality and and building your engine like that's a pretty good that's a pretty good chunk of time to do both of those things but if you are not doing those things if you're not being kind of obsessed with your movement if you're not learning how to move yourself around a barbell correctly um those are the places you need to start and again if you're saying like i'm gonna i'm willing to dedicate two years or what's now a year and a half to that process then i would i would want to see you know the first handful of months or however long it is to see you working on things like barbell therapy learn again like learning how to move a barbell correctly working on the gymnastics stuff outside of conditioning settings where you're actually practicing the movement correctly learning how to do the learning how to do those movements it's just so much harder to relearn or reteach somebody uh who has developed really bad habits and it's just like Again, we talked about it a little bit earlier. The best athletes in the sport are also the best movers in the sport, and there's just no way around that. So if you're if you're if you're a year and a half out in your plan, there's no reason that the first handful of months at least is are not dedicated solely to or not solely but heavily towards learning how to move correctly. And then the good news is is all that bitch work stuff, the stuff that Drew said, we take you all the way from the 90 minute math session all the way down to 10 second sprint for max wattage on a bike. Like that's your energy system work right there. Once you get the movement patterns down, we get the energy systems built, then we can start to really dial in the sports specific nature of CrossFit. Um I'm gonna put my if I got this question from a remote coaching athlete and there is an asterisk to this and I'll get to that. Um, I would change their goal to the closest open or competition or whatever it is, because patience is a beautiful thing, but setting that continuing to set that like goalpost way out there off in the distance gives people an excuse to continue to move it or to continue to, you know, sort of, you know, the, the accumulation of good habits is the athlete, you know, maturity meter that we talk about Also, a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So your goal, K-J-E-L-D-P-O-L, is the 2023 Open or the closest throwdown that you have. The asterisk is I'm in college and I know that I have this thesis or I'm a athlete in this other sport or I'm moving on. But if, if you're my guess is if you're asking this question now and you're following us, this is already something that you're into. Um, you get to measure yourself against the exact goal that you already have if you start sooner. So, you know, you these two are going to give you really great answers about what you can work on because again, patience, humility, all of that ingredients that are necessary, but get started as soon as possible. Get started now. Well, they got to add seek help. I think a lot of people try to do these things all by themselves. And like they obviously use our website to figure out what their probing is, but like ask for help, like look out and seek out experts and things Discord. that you struggle with. Discord's a great place to do that. Instagram's a great place to do that. Q and a podcasts are a great place to ask for help, but you know, consider working on finding your tribe of people who are wanting to see you succeed and, you know, work to have a very positive relationship with them so that as you get closer and closer to your, your end date or your goal, you have people in your corner, helping you stay motivated, helping you stay on task and making sure that, you know, you stay yourself like into your goal. Because like you said, when you start setting things too far away, it's really easy. But like, ah, I had a bum hamstring for like three months. So now it's the 2025 open instead of 2024. So find that support staff. Get it together. Fucking embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Macaluso asks fight to the death. Sherb versus Kyle. Sherb has a knife. Kyle has a pipe. Um, see, here's the thing that the, the pin on the Sherb grenade is very rusty. 
It is very challenging to get Sherb to freak the fuck out. Um, North Carolina hides my bag that has my, my snacks in it. Um, that's not so. Like Kyle's gonna have an advantage until there's potentially some sort of trigger, like someone's making fun of his ankles or something. They're like nice. it, yeah, it would be really hard to set Sherb off. I don't think I would want to be around if somehow the pin got pulled. Um, <laughs> so Kyle wins unless Sherb <laughs> freaks the fuck out. I don't know anybody that couldn't beat the shit out of Sherb if we weren't able to figure out how to really piss him off. There's some stuff brewing, but it's deep. I like to keep it mysterious. It I'm is not tell anyone. deep. Yeah, it's deep. So it's mysterious. very deep down it's very there. deep. <laughs> it's something super weird. Like, don't say anything about his left elbow. Don't, don't say it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't across, across the table. And my the butter throw. <laughs> Fuck. Kyle could win without a pipe unless Sherb got really upset. <laughs> gonna run around behind you and just whack you in the calf whack you in the achilles with that one time right, that's one, it just one just one hit ryan mckay finding the motivation after injury and not comparing yourself to the pre-surgery you you have some comparison is Kids the thief a of joy I'm just gonna start with that comparison is a thief of joy uh have experienced this couple of achilles tears and like coming back from some injuries you know, the, the thing that you should be more concerned with less than the idea of what I was used to be or how I used to be is where you are now and where you were yesterday or a week before or two weeks before that. That is the type of thing that builds momentum and has you focused on things that actually matter and things you can control because there's no time machine. There's no way to go back and be yourself from a pre-injury. So what's the best way to get moving forward is to celebrate where you are right now and make micro goals that you were just talking about with the last question here of, of benchmarks you're trying to hit and to use that as motivation to stay in it day after day. And then if you are having one of those days where you're like, like, fuck, I used to be able to row a 6.35 2K and I rode a 6.45, I'm 10 seconds slower, I'm, I'm losing it. Well, you look back a week before where maybe you were putting a foot in a skateboard and, and rowing with one leg and your arms because you couldn't actually do the whole movement. So there's a little bit of silver, silver lining here in, but trying to put those breadcrumbs on the trail and comparing to yourself to a more recent version is a is a better plan than being frustrated about where you are right now relative to your pre-injury self, because that's just going to be something that derails you from getting any better. So focusing on the stuff you can control is going to be the ultimate advice for, for someone that's coming back from an injury. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm kind of stuck in my head on where there's a will, there's a way you're going to figure this out and you're going to be able to get there. And remembering that that's the case, remembering sort of that macro look at it. Um, I know Ryan has been through a lot of injuries in the past and we've seen some of the scores that he's put up. So we know clear as day that he has gone from, oh shit, I feel like I'm starting over back to like, what the hell was that score? How's that even possible? 20 second 50 cal. We know that that's already <laughs> happened. And we know that if the fire and the, you know, sort of the desire to get there is still around, that you're going to make it to that point. So, you know, for some people, it's cutting yourself a little bit of slack when you're, when you're in those modes, people that are really hard on themselves. And then for other people, it's just, you know, when in doubt, zoom out. Like that is just so incredibly important things like compounding interest and, you know, exponential growth and you're close to the tipping point. You don't know it. All of that stuff is very real. So, you know, sort of staying the course and zooming out a little bit. I think maybe adopting kind of a mindset of just like the athlete that you are going to become post-surgery is not, you're never going to be the person that you were both like mentally or physically. Like hopefully you're going to be, you're going to surpass that. 
Um, but having the mindset shift of just like, oh, I'm not nearly as good. Like, don't don't set your sights on being like getting back to where you were. Like, we should be thinking about surpassing that. And what are the things the the path to get there is now different than it was before. So I think framing it as more of just a change of like how the direction to get to your ultimate goal, whatever that is, is now is now just like you just took an unexpected right turn. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or or negative in any way. It's just a different it's just it presents a different opportunity to to get there. All right. Mike Kern asks thoughts on LCQ workouts. Best one for Luca, Austin and Kelly. I thought it was my chance to ask, but maybe it was. Uh, I think it was. Um, Hunter, answer uh, the question. All right, go ahead, Hunter. You can go for Kelly. For all three of them. Let's see if want. I can guess. Let's see if I can guess for Luca and Austin. And I'll tell you for Kelly, it's going to be, I think the, the thruster thruster bar muscle up. I think the heavy high skill combo is really good for her. We saw that. I told her it's going to feel what I think is going to feel pretty similar to her uh, final event at the Mac, where it was just like ring muscle up, heavy lunge, bar muscle up, overhead lunge, like that sort of thing. Uh, feel ve- It'll feel very similar. She just, she likes the heavy barbell. She's a good squatter. Bar muscle ups are, a, you know, one of her better, if not her best pulling movement. Um, she's also like kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, just based on all the work that we've put in this year. And again, performance at the Mac, like that fourth one, that, that long boy, um, that's going to hurt a lot of people. Um, but I don't think it's going to hurt her as much as it's going to hurt a lot of other people. True. Um, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I guess, uh, for Austin, man, I want to say, I I almost want to say the same thing. The thruster one, thruster or the clean and jerk. I'm going, you can ask me what your opinion is. (laughs) What is his opinion? (laughs) Luca, maybe Luca, the last one long, the engine one. I'm not going to answer you. Okay. Uh, My thoughts on the workouts. This is a really fun moment because let's just assume that Adrian Bosman wrote these workouts. Don't fucking no revisionist history, ladies and gentlemen. I've been listening to you complain about how boring the workouts have been for a decade. That's a good workout, but it's boring. First of all, it should be a good workout before it's exciting. What the fuck is exciting about burpees and thrusters? Great work. Tell me, Hunter. (laughs) Not much. (laughs) Not much. Um, Bad programming. (laughs) But now the, the martyr of Dave Castro can you admit that these workouts are both good and fun? We don't have a 25% of the last chance qualifiers. You know, can you jump and, you know, touch the, touch the ceiling in middle school? So that's one I of the events, can't. that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about the workouts and I think. Well, you're not going to answer the question? No, of course I am. Oh. Um, <laughs> for Kelly, I'll have a little fun and say the clean and jerk run. Um, okay. She's, uh, Man, she just moves a barbell like it's lighter than it is. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's and I like very much thought that from a pulling standpoint, which surprised me. Um, <clears throat> so... That's, I mean, that, that very much is a pulling workout. Like you sort of autocorrect a little bit when it comes to the push jerk, but if you're not a good puller, mm-hmm. eh, not so great. Um, and then for Luca, got to take into account that they're literally starting this today. Um, for Luca, I would say probably one through four <laughs> and for Austin, 
four through one. Yeah, probably <laughs> all, probably all four. One through four in that order is what you're saying. No, or no, just, no, no. Every single one of them, yeah. all of them is the best one because I don't give a flying fuck what your strengths and weaknesses are. What were the moments in there that you went someplace that you normally wouldn't go? That's the best workout for you. Not like, oh, I love this. What if you love it and take your foot off the gas a little bit because you think it's easy breezy? Coasted, yeah. What if you love it and you fucking ram your head into the wall and go, oops, let me find out where I'm at right now. The best workout for every single one of them is going to be the one where they take themselves to that place because they sort of understand what's happening. So uh, I'll take Hunter's advice on the Kelly because I don't actually know I'm gonna feel too much about it, but I think the bar muscle, <laughs> bar muscle thruster for Kelly. Austin, I'm going to go clean and jerk run. I think he can manhandle that barbell pretty well. He's got a great power clean. He can move a barbell over his head pretty well, and he's pretty fucking fit, so he can jog back and forth pretty quickly. And then Luca... I wanted to say event four because I've seen that kid do burpee box jump overs. I know what his wall balls look like and the double doublers don't matter, but oh, it's that one. No, the double unders are balanced in that one. But <laughs> but you look at event um, it's a two, the rowing and the handstand walk. He's got his brother there. He's already done it. Sibling rivalry. What are you talking there. about? Trade secrets. Well, anyways, <laughs> so he's got his brother's score. He knows how shut fit up his brother is. <laughs> And his brother's <laughs> score was yeah he got like seven thousand feet on his hands. Good luck everybody else. I mean, this is posting <laughs> Monday, but still. But anyways, no I, trade I, I think I do think that event number two, the rowing handstand walk, is going to be an opportunity for him to show out what kind of capacity he has on a rowing machine, and the fact that I've seen him walk on his hands and know how good he is at it. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be my pick. Word. I think Hunter reads now. We just, I just assumed you were going to add syllables or delete syllables. For the group, <laughs> one bad habit you would fix, one good habit you would emphasize. I should have prepared for this one. Matt Milky. Is that right? Um, uh, one bad habit you would fix, and one good habit you would. Do emphasize. any of you have something? Yeah. Top of mind? All right, you yeah. go first. One bad habit I'd like to fix. I would like to speak and have my inner dialogue be as positive to myself as is to other people. I feel like I'm a pretty positive person, but my internal dialogue is not always the most positive. Uh, so that's one bad habit I'd like to fix, and one good habit I'd like to emphasize and do a little bit more of is spending more time with headspace stuff. So I try to make sure that every Monday I get in here before I teach beginners class and spend ten minutes doing um, waking up by Sam Harris. I'd like to be a little bit more diligent on that and do it more often because I find the days that I do take the ten minutes to sit in silence in this podcast studio when no one's here, I typically have a more productive day and have more organized. So that would be the one habit I'd like to do a little bit more. Um, I get short with people too often. I mean, it makes sure. sense. How tall are you? Come across that table right now. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Habit confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Never been in an armbar. Uh, yeah. So I need to. Uh, it's kind of weird because I try to think of myself as somebody who's like relatively like level-headed. Um. And I think in that, in most instances, I am. It's just like some, if depending on depending on the day, someone, someone asks <laughs> someone asks a question. Someone fucking takes seven hours to strap their feet into a rower, and a, you can't well, even keep it together right now. See, this is it. I work myself <laughs> up. Uh, no, I I would I would like to uh, be better about not being short with people, and it generally is just people like either asking questions or or genuinely like 
genuinely just asking or interacting with me and I'm just an asshole and I, 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 I need to be better about that. Uh, something that I'm good, I, I have a good habit that you want to emphasize or that I would like to emphasize. I've been better recently about making sure that I, I just have enough time um, like outside of work. So just whether that's a slower morning uh, or trying to hand off stuff like over the weekend, uh, that's just better for that is that is improving my the habit that I would like to fix. So just making sure that my morning routine is is like the length that it needs to be and is setting myself up for uh, a productive and positive day. Oh, boy. Look at that. Um, I heard to say I did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that recorded? Uh, one bad habit you would fix. Um, I'd say projecting probably when you get a little bit older, start to work on yourself, start to, you know, figure out the, you know, you get the user's manual. You're like, oh, that's why that happens. And that that's why that happens. Mm-hmm. You start to figure out why you have, you know, negative interactions with people or you have a bias or a prejudice or wherever these things come from. Um, and when you, aren't dealing with your stress in the right way that's when that shit starts to come out and you it's really easy to defend it it's really easy to be like well that person's stupid like that kind of thing um so the more i learn about myself being able to put it into use more often when you know shit hits the fan and i think probably the good habit that i would emphasize that sort of plays devil's advocate a little bit is i'm usually pretty good at like modulating the mood in a room like like making sure that people are comfortable that if like this is going on how do i bring it back to this place that sort of thing so um i you know try to keep it cool and i try to keep things you know kind of even keeled for other people around me and i think if i'm better at the first thing that i can emphasize the second thing hard uh xander this is my turn yep chances of sunday miles club at camp I want to say yes, but I also want you to experience camp and not be wasted on Sunday when you come to come to camp and attend. So if you guys think there's not going to be a super long run at camp. Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to happen. Um, it, I'm also happy to do a Monday miles club for anyone who wants to go running on Monday after camp. So I'll be around. But, you know, we're definitely going to have some sort of long monostructural, almost certainly a run at camp. So don't you worry. We'll scratch that itch. Fact. All right, Ryan Snyder, in your opinion, best CrossFit Games workout slash test. Holy shit, this is all time? Looks like he didn't qualify it, so. Holy smokes. Gotta dig through the annals of (laughs) games.crossfit.com fucking workouts. This is the uh, double banger, right? The assault (laughs) banger? It was the double banger. It was the the GHD Didn't they kayak for six hours one year? That was my favorite. Yeah, it was the softball toss with the med ball weighted GHD. It's a shame you can't find Kalipa's toss because it needs to be out there on the insert. They just delete it. The internet can delete it. Kalipa hired like 400,000 Google employees to delete it from everywhere on the internet. Does anybody have? Ooh, yeah, does anybody have one off the top of their head? I'll come up with it. But King Larry the First. I mean, <laughs> come on. Look, there's come so on many guy. fun the ones. Best. best is a hard, that's a hard thing to answer. Oh, I know mine. You know yours? I know mine. Go ahead. Uh, was it called Happy Star? Yeah. Oh, the burpee one at the ranch. At the ranch. The ranch 2020. Burpee over the log thing, run up the hill. That was a really Seemed cool to be event. a different distance for each athlete. No one knew where they were running. <laughs> and what was the barbell movement? Power thruster. clean? Thruster? 
was a yeah, thruster. Yeah, it was a thruster. Changed. Increasing reps and Oh, weight. my goodness. That was incredible. The the It basically, to me, was like the, you know, you have those moments in Jordan's career. It was that moment. I think the epitome of what Fraser became yeah. and watching people try to keep up with him oh my God, was fucking, fucking incredible. Later. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, like I think Sam was close to him for quite a while. He pushed with him the whole time. Like seeing that, seeing someone be able to take themselves to, I thought this was my 10 and how am I possibly at a 19 out of 10? That doesn't fit. Like, just completely changes everything. And there was just something about how hard they were going for how long they were going. That to me was just like, Oh my God, I want to see this with a like true full field of athletes. That was mm-hmm. my favorite CrossFit games workout. Like I, I'm definitely my, favorite. I'm going to have to say chaos. I loved the unknown element of athletes walking out and having no fucking clue how many reps of things they were doing, what they were doing next. And it's fitting that I hated that workout. It's fair. <laughs> I just, again, it, as a coach, you probably would fucking hate it because you're like, I don't know what my athletes doing. I don't have to prepare them for like, it's, it's some sort of event. I have no <laughs> ding, fucking ding, do what I'm doing ding. out here. But as like a both fan of the sport as a coach and as just someone who likes that, like true essence of unknown and unknowable. It was, like, I, it was a cool idea. It, I will, I will give yeah, you I mean, that. Execution probably could have been a little bit better. And we even tried it at our affiliate, which was funny. Cause I think I made someone do like 61 arm thrusters with a 60 pound dumbbell, but oops. Chaos, but anyways, yeah. very cool workout. I love the unknown element. So I'm going to go with chaos. All right. I'll just go. This is marathon definitely row. not my, <laughs> it is the marathon row, uh, with, but because it has the two K buy-in, I think that's, oh, that, that was the, was the half. half. That was the half. Oh, then the half that yeah. and much more appropriate. Yeah, than the full. The I'm not saying that the full shouldn't have been there, yeah. but the half was better. Yeah. That I don't know. Test. I don't know that it's, I don't know that it was the best test, but it was, uh, I thought it was fuck that. And that was peak Kalipa. Gnarly. That was peak. Like damn six thirty. Like, like somebody hook him up to some machines six, six, and let's figure out six twenty two K and then I'll pull. Is that right? I'll yeah, pull like 35 as we held for the first and then, yeah, averaged, and then, a and then averaged a one fifty. I think it was like one fifty one or something like that for the uh, after he, he pulled like 10 strokes at like two thirty and then was like, real. I'm well, fine. I remember it was going to that and it was that rolly der- roller derby arena. And we we're like, what are we, why are we going to go watch this? Like, this is probably going to be boring. And they had the screen with everyone's boat and everything. And it was honestly one of the more entertaining events events the entire weekend and fuck it was so entertaining to see people just in so most entertaining discomfort. part was the athlete who we won't name that kept getting <laughs> off the rower to eat fucking snack packs and shit oh yeah that's, that's part of the reason <laughs> it's just like, like listen that's a lot of time gotta, not doing the workout while the best people in the world are still doing the workout <laughs> like fucking people wrapping towels oh, around handles oh, around heads incredible. we got people crying we got it was yeah yep that's a good one oh, this next question is actually Really good one. I like this one a lot. This is, this is my right up my alley. I like this. You're one. asking it. Ah, fuck. <laughs> uh, TPG Coach KC asks: Does Pareto apply to fitness? What are the eighty percent that'll get you, nope. or what are the twenty? <laughs> yeah. What are the twenty? What are the twenty percent that'll get you eighty percent? Yes, uh, that definitely applies to fitness, and I think we me should have read these questions. Um, I think we create, I think the fitter you are, the more silos that we create. So at the beginning, that 20% is very much the, the energy system that is just everyone had, had one of those energy systems missing. They went through their beginner's class. They did the dot-com stuff and 
they you know might have been the most fit person there but on two-thirds of the workouts that other thing came up that sprinty type thing super you know like like maybe it was a little bit more high skill more explosive or you you crushed when it was standard crossfit and then they said go run a 10k 5k whatever it was i think that's sort of that generic silo and then as we move out we start to create separate silos for athletes because it is so challenging to move the needle once you get really good the gift is that crossfit has so many damn movements that i think we can still we, we're going to be able to go find it like i'm definitely going to be able to go find it i love being able to say we're not done it's your clean technique or it's your, you know, we got to figure out your squat or we need to do a month long mobility thing where you're holding overhead squats for seven minutes a day, whatever it is. So I think the silos start to get created more, the fitter you are, but I 100% think that athletes are going out there and finding these chunks of, okay, this is the thing where I can just really make this massive progress. Um, and there could be an argument for, well, Maffetone takes this many hours but to me, that would still count as a 20% thing, especially when it comes like like to down to like an effort standpoint. Yeah, and you look across the entire week, if you are giving, you know, dictating 90 minutes a week or two hours a week of Maffetone relative to everything else, it's still probably less than a fifth of what you're doing across the entire week. Um, you went one step further than I was going to go. I was just going to say everybody could stand to do more aerobic type of work and what that does for them. I mean, talking about the highest performers. Now, there are some outliers there. There are athletes that come in that maybe have a cross country or track background and have done endurance stuff their entire life leading into CrossFit. But they know who they are. But they know who they are. So they maybe they're they're barely easily being like, all right, I don't need to go sit on a C2 bike for six hours a week. Like I need to be doing this, that or the other. But for most athletes to, to move the needle the most and for like lowest barrier entry, it's literally just sit your ass on a rower bikes or stand on a skier or go for a jog 45 minutes twice a week at a heart rate that's 180 minus your age. That seems like a pretty low barrier to entry and allows athletes to make sizable improvements with what I would consider minimal effort. I'd say that answer is correct for at least 60% of the yeah. community, somewhere in that range. Um, technically, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think the, I th I think that, well, I think there's like a little bit of confusion. So the Pareto principle is more based on like, is based on like results. So I, and thinking we, we both that, understand it. Thank you though. Well, I'm um, yeah, but that you don't have to agree, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are, I think there are some things that can get you more bang for your buck but i don't think that i don't think that that specific principle applies to applies to fitness so cool um yeah i think i, I think they're kind of two different they're almost two different questions wait what what does it apply and then where could you get uh, yeah i think maybe? i think the i <clears throat> yeah i'm i'm being a dick <laughs> that's fine so you were working yeah. on that i am oh, okay got it <laughs> I disagreed. I said, I said, no, this, I said, I don't think this is, I don't think it does. All right. A little bit longer question from Francis Ryan, who sent us a message. I think this was on uh, Instagram. Hey guys, long question. and not sure if you'd be able to help out or not. I've been a hatchet slash misfit guy for four plus years. Think of trying to challenge myself and signing up for a full marathon. Do you have any recommendations for integrating a marathon training plan into the programming? I was thinking maybe just progressive buildups, one long run a week. I don't know if you have any other athletes who have taken this on from experience. Thanks in advance. Um, fuck me, right? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I will just say um, that this is going to be the, the last question of the podcast. And 
I've been getting a lot of questions about this because people know that I'm prepping for a marathon. So like I can get into the specifics a little bit, but if you guys have like bigger picture yeah, no. sort of answers, go for it. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll say like the first step is just integrating, like starting if you're not, if like Maffetone stuff, perfect place to start. If you're not doing like Maffetone running, you have to get yourself out on the road and start just building building kind of that lower leg and just general stamina for for kind of the beating the physical beating that is the marathon so i think just starting starting with that sort of thing and then i think building that up into like a second day a week or maybe one longer session um is is kind of the maybe like on that very very long very very slow end and then also starting to like integrate kind of speed work over the course of over the course of this progression i wrote one for for an athlete i don't know if they finished it or not but it was in the neighborhood of like 20 weeks or something like that where it was just a a volume build up um ending in the neighborhood of like 20 miles i think and that's pretty standard in endurance communities like you're not running you're not doing a marathon before the marathon uh kind of gradually increasing that volume from from a to b but um in that same recommend program, I I was like, eventually we'll start to wean off of CrossFit a little bit and kind of sh- as we get closer to the race, maybe there's, you know, you're running three, maybe four days a week. If I don't know if that's accurate or not, I think I think in that neighborhood and then it's CrossFit, you know, one to three times a week to for that supplementation. But I wouldn't I wouldn't totally uh, get rid of CrossFit. I wouldn't totally get rid of like the strength work that's going to help kind of keep you durable but uh, i think the general theme is like if you're if you're not running now with that long slow stuff start the maffetone stuff is a perfect place to start and gradually kind of increasing the volume at varying intensities over the course of the 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 progression i want to go back to like the blanket statement but the the two like basket with the eggs in it uh, analogy and go back and say like when you set out to do this i completely agree with you you needed to have some longer runs in there which means you need to put your 10,000 hours in or your longer runs. And as you build from, you know, your maffetone, which is probably for most people, four to six miles upwards of, I think you and I were talking about this the other day, Drew, that we need to get somewhere around an 18 or 20 mile run as a way of making sure your body's kind of prepared for this over a progression. You don't just start with a 20 mile run, right? You work your way up to it. Um, but going back to the analogy of the two eggs in the baskets here is that that effort to go and run 10, 12, 14, 18, 20 miles is a very long task you need to be doing a cool down and recovery that is equivalent to that. So we're saying, you know, you're going to go run 15 miles. You're out there for two plus hours. You need to be thinking about, are you doing two plus hours worth of recovery from that? Because your body will put up with your stuff for a very long time until the day it doesn't. And then you could be, you know, two weeks up from your marathon and your plantar fasciitis flares up or you get shin splints or you, you know, roll your ankle, which obviously is a little bit more of a, just a, not paying attention when you're running kind of thing, but these little things could creep up because you're not as focused on, am I doing all the things that make sure that I can go back out and do my training that I need to do so that I am adequately prepared the, the following training session. Yeah. Um, first answer is just to answer the people that have been shooting me DMS. And I said that I would address it on the podcast. Just I'm doing 80, 20 training, 80% of my days, um, are Maffetone type work. I do six miles, seven miles, eight miles, and then my long run. Um, the other day is speed work. The thing to take into consideration, speed work when you're prepping for a marathon needs mileage in it. 
So like you are running, you are are running, you know, mile repeats that get up into the width of warm up and cool down eight plus miles. Um, now when that happens, you know, your rest periods are probably closer to like two or three minutes and you're just making sure that you are running as hard as you can, but like you want it to be similar across relatively. You want it, you want it to be relative to the volume and to the task at hand. Um, the other question, two questions. One is how much do you care about your time? Like what, how many eggs are we putting into this basket? That matters a lot. Mm. I personally cannot go run a marathon just to run a marathon. I think that's stupid. I could go run a marathon, right? I mean, quote unquote, run a marathon. Like I can make it from point A to point B, but my mind just doesn't work that way. I can't like, and and my time's going to be like incredibly slow, but it'll be very fast for me. What is your goal? Actually, I I meant to ask you this. What is sub 10, sub 10 minute miles? Yeah. Sub 10 minute miles. Um, and the other question is the whole big monkey, small monkey situation. So there are athletes who, if they get up into high volume, their body starts to break down, really fall apart. They reach overreaching and overtraining faster than other athletes. The great thing about those athletes, they typically are a bit more power based and get a lot out of what they do. Um, so you have to ask yourself, am I the type of athlete who thrives on volume? Like I do a lot of volume. Maybe my intensity is a little bit lower than the person who gets a lot out of less. Um, and then you can decide where you're at. So I would say the bare minimum would be three days a week of running. And as you get closer, marathon runners are five or six days a week, every single week as they go. But again, if you're doing the right program, most of that is you out there, like basically pretty bored, like running, you know, in that range. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's hard to answer, not knowing exactly what the goal is. Um, but you got to run a lot. And if you're trying to work it into the programming that we have, luckily there's a lot of bitch work. So replacing a speed day for, you know, a build, um, replacing every Maffetone session with running for the Maffetone, probably adding a third day of Maffetone, even if we don't have it in there, that sort of stuff. Um, but again, the good thing is if you're a CrossFitter, if you're already working hard, once your muscles get used to it, six miles is a, uh, Maffetone is a joke. Like even with the mile warm up and mile cool down added to it, you don't feel anything after a while because you really build, build that tissue, you build the tissue. And that's one of the reasons why so many CrossFitters hate running because they come in, run their ass off and their body's like, why? And it's like, well, in your beginner's class, we didn't throw 405 on your back. You started with, you know, the empty bar and then 95 and then whatever to get that place in running. Maffetone. Slow. Cool. Did we do it? I think we did it. All right, ladies and gents, thank you for tuning into another episode of the Misfit Podcast. Thank you to everyone who asked a question. Remember, discord.gg forward slash Misfit Athletics to join us. Um, be able to get your questions in first so that we don't have to skip them. Thank you again to our show sponsors, properfuel.co. Use the code word Misfit to save 10%. On any and all orders, sharpentheaxeco.com. Use your favorite misfit athlete name. Um, you use the code, they get a little bit of dough. We got athletes heading to the CrossFit games. We got athletes trying to punch their tickets this weekend. Use those codes, get them a little bit more dough, make that trip easier. Last but not least, we are brought to you by ourselves, teammisfit.com for your affiliate programming needs, misfitathletics.com for your individual programming needs, and the Sugar Wad Marketplace if that's what you're into. We'll see you next week.